You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and lied him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. You may be seated. We're going to ask the... The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to guide us into this very familiar passage of Scripture this time of year. We read this. This is probably the second or third time we've read it here at Awaken this this uh, Christmas season, this Advent. And uh, so, as we don't let the familiarity of it just take away the fact He's got a message for us for today. And the message for today is the, about the smell of hope. And then you're going to come in and go, like the smell of hope in this musty kind of theater where we meet and that. But there's certain smells that through my life I remember and even now have brought me like great hope when I smell them. Like whenever I was a kid, whenever I could come in, I could smell cookies baking. Like my mom was baking chocolate chip cookies. I see some head nods right there. That's the smell of hope. We're going to get to eat some chocolate chip cookies. Fresh baked homemade cookies. Man, that smell is so good. Then when I got a little older, I started dating and started dating my wife, who's now my wife, Shelly. Um, she had this perfume, and it was called Red. And I just remember, I know it was called Red because I went and bought it for her several Christmases in a row because I really liked the smell. And just, just that smell filled me with hope that at the end of this date, I might get a little kiss or something. You know, it's like that smell of hope was there. As I became a parent, there was something about clean babies that just filled you with hope. Like, I hope this diaper doesn't get full again very soon. And uh, even now, there's the smell of coffee. Whenever I smell coffee brewing, it's filled with this hope that I can stay awake because I'm tired. (laughs) It just gives me hope that I can make it through this morning or this day. So what's one of your favorite smells? Again, there's only like just a couple of us in the room. So you got to tell me what a a smell is. What's your favorite smell? Tacos. Tacos. Man, that's a good smell, i got to admit. That's a good one. What else? You guys, what's a favorite smell? Queso. Queso. We've got a theme going here. I feel like Mexican food for lunch coming on already, yeah. What about you, Miss Amanda? What's your favorite smell, or one of your favorite smells? Chicken nuggets. All right. Well, they're all about food this morning, so we're getting off on the right foot. So it's like, hurry up, Pastor Steve. Get this. We're hungry now. Um, but yes, smells have a way of stirring up emotions, have stirring up expectations. I mean, a fragrance, an aroma can bring back a memory. It could be pleasant. It might also be unpleasant. Different smells can be comforting, and other smells can really lead us excitement. Other smells can give us anxiety. If you're riding down the highway, you pass Burger King. They puff that Burger King smell out onto the road. You know what I'm talking about? Like they do. That, that smell. I don't even really like burgers that much and especially fast food but when you smell it it's just like oh man I could really go for that right now but on the other hand a lot around here you're right down the road you might smell a skunk smell that could lead to some high anxiety depending on how bad the traffic is and how long you have to sit on top of that skunk smell today we're going to explore the smell of hope as it relates to the Christmas 
season the and the advent which today we had the advent of joy and hope and joy are tied together in jesus um that's really kind of our big idea as we look at this scripture a little bit deeper from luke chapter 2 this morning and a few other scriptures as well the big idea is that joy and hope are inseparable from the arrival of jesus when jesus shows up he brings with him joy he brings with him hope so let's talk about first of all those unpleasant smells okay the um those unpleasant smells because I mentioned that the, as becoming a parent and the, the smell of a freshly bathed baby kind of filled you with hope. And the reason was is because a lot of times these things, these are, this is a diaper, um, you guys who don't maybe know a diaper. Uh, these things, they get full, do not give you a pleasant smell. It's very, very, probably one of the worst smells you can know. As a, as a parent or anybody else, say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's all, it's your baby and it's all cute. No, it stinks. It's nasty and it's gross. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. I think that. I don't know. But it's one of the most powerful smells. It's the smell of a dirty diaper, especially a really ripe, dirty diaper. So, see, I didn't bring a really ripe, dirty diaper. I brought a nice, fresh, clean, dirty diaper. I asked uh, Miss Bree out there with baby Liam in the, in the kids' adventure class, to, you know, I wanted one that wasn't dirty. She could have hooked me up with that one too, I'm sure. But when I smell a dirty diaper, it represents what I would call an urgent need. Does that make sense? Like if you smell that, if you can smell that, then if there's an urgent need of taking place here. That that diaper needs to be changed. And when there comes an urgent need, I think there's also a need for hope. As I think about my life and what I see and happen in our culture all around us, there seems to be some urgent needs. And one of those biggest needs is the urgent need for hope. So when Mary gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, it said she laid him in a what? Manger. That's right, a manger. And why was that? Because there was no room for them in the in the inn, right? So there's no room for them. And that's like we didn't have that word in that New Living Translation I read today that says there's no lodging available for them. But usually we think of that, that old story as because there was no room for them in the in. And when we think about that, the inn was too full for them to have, to, to have a place to sleep when they came to Bethlehem for the, the census that was taking place. We, had, we need to look at the fact that in the New Testament, there's two words in Greek, because it was originally written in Greek, that translate as the word inn. Or we think of like a hotel or motel, holiday inn kind of thing. The first word is the word pandokian. Pandokian. And a pandokian is like a public business, like a lodging place. And that's when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and the Samaritan takes the beaten up guy and takes him to the inn to be taken care of. It's a pendokian. It's a local, a local business, a lodging place. But the other Greek word is the word he uses that's used here by Luke that talks about there was no lodging for them in, in the kataluma. And the kataluma was a, it just meant a break in the journey. It didn't mean a lodging place. It meant a break in the journey, a place to stop, a place to stay, to pause. And they were actually were developed um, around small villages like Bethlehem was. And whenever there was a major city nearby, they would build these pandokians for people who were traveling. And Jerusalem's only five miles away from Bethlehem. And so probably they didn't need a lot of pandokians, but they did need some Catalumas. And since it was so close to Jerusalem, which is the major city, they probably had some pretty nice Catalumas. So a Cataluma was basically a crude stone wall 
built structure built in a circle. And travelers would come, and they would they would set up camp on the outside and put all the animals on the inside because there were stalls and places to feed them and all that on the inside. And it also it kind of contained your animals. So all the travelers, it was safety too, safety in numbers. So they would travel, set up their camps, kind of like going to the campground, and then your animals would go into the Cataluma, a break in the journey. Now the nicer ones actually had two stories. The, the nicer ones, and this being close to Jerusalem, they probably might could have been a nicer one. We don't know for sure. But a two, on the second floor was where people could stay and get up off the ground. Like they didn't have to camp out on the ground. They could go up onto the second floor while the animals were on the first floor. And so this place where it says he was taken was probably the Cataluma that was in the Bethlehem area. And it probably didn't smell great. It's really a stall. It's a stable. It really is. Like all the animals, the, 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 if they have horses, but I know they had uh, mules and donkeys and camels, and they all would be in here to be bed down for the night. So it's not that, like, I think of going into like a barn, and I think of the Christmas story and how we set up our churches. We set up little displays and we have our plays, and it smells like cedar chips and fresh straw. Kind of, that's a nice smell. I mean, it, can, it smells like. Oh, it smells like the barn, but there's a, you know, a good barn smell. But this was a, not a good barn smell. I mean, that, obviously, this is the place where all the animals are. It's like, it's not just an unclean diaper. It's an unclean diaper times five camels and plus 12 donkeys multiplied by a herd of sheep. That's how, how much, it's a stench is what it is. It's a stench, and it's a stable. And the thing about this is we all start out in the stable. When we think spiritually speaking, we all start out in the stable. We all start out in this place of uncleanliness or stinkiness and uh, the spiritual uncleanliness of humanity was what caused God to take action God said I've got to do something about this smell and what he did was he sent us a baby and there's the opposite of that uh, that, that you know, gross smell that bad smell that, that un, un, unpleasant smell is that new baby smell that new baby smell. And, and as bad as a dirty diaper smells, man, a new baby that especially just had his bath, even a toddler, preschooler, nine-year-old, no matter how old you get, you brought your kid right out of a bath, man, that smells good. Even now, my eight-year-old, my eight nine-year-old, they'll get a bath. As soon as they get a bath, I'm like, come here, and I give them a hug, and I just smell because they smell good. Plus, I also get to check, make sure they wash their hair really good because you smell. Nope, go back. But usually it's like, oh, you smell so good. That new baby smell is just one of these great smells. And for most of us, a new baby kind of stirs up wonder and awe and, and just within us, these emotions. And so it's, it's often that we hold an infant in our arms and we have an experience. And I call that, that, that thing we feel, I call that embracing hope. Like a new baby just gives us this feeling. I don't, I can't know what it is, but it's it's embracing hope. So Jesus comes as a vulnerable infant. Yet he's fully God. He's fully human, but he's fully God. And we try to wrap our mind around that. And what we all we can do is like go to what the prophet Isaiah said about him in Isaiah seven fourteen. He says, "All right, then the Lord Himself will choose a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and she will call him Emmanuel." God is with us. So Jesus is our Emmanuel. Our God is with us. So embracing Jesus is embracing hope. It's embracing, first of all, the hope that God is with us. Like, this is like what it means that Jesus arrives. We embrace him and who he is and what he, what he has for us and who we can be in him. 
And he's, God is, God is with us. It's also embracing the hope of a savior king. He is a savior king. Listen to what, what God said to, to Joseph, who was about to marry Mary in, uh, in the, for the birth story of Jesus. In Matthew one twenty one. he says to Joseph, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus or Yeshua, which means he will save his people from their sins. He will save us. He's, a, he's not just going to be you know, another child. He's going to be a king, but not just a king. He's going to be a savior king. Jesus was born in the midst of the smell of sin, the stench of sin. But Jesus is the smell of hope. It's that, that newborn baby smell. Jesus is the smell of hope when life stinks. And how many of y'all know life stinks sometimes? Life stinks. And Jesus is the smell of hope when life stinks. Even at this time of year, I mean, I get so filled. It just happens every year. I kind of get like, here we go. We start way too early. All the Christmas stuff starts to happen. And then it gets like, it gets into December and I'm starting to feel it. And I'm like, man, I'm excited. And I have, you know, candies and cookies and trees and lights and my kids and my, my kids seeing the lights and Santa Claus and you know and then Jesus savior of the world I just get all this excitement and stuff and then I realized remember there are so many people at this time of year just brings up pain and 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 loneliness for different reasons for loss for grief and life can stink and Jesus brings the smell of hope when life stinks so how does your life smell don't sniff your neighbor. <laughs> Think about yourself. How does, how does your life smell? Do you smell like Jesus, the fragrance of hope? Because considering how our lives smell, that's, that's what I want to call the fragrance of worship. The fragrance of worship, how our life smells. There's, there's a couple different smells at Christmas time that really kind of get me in the mood. And one of them is a Christmas tree. And if you know the Christmas tree smell, it comes from a tree called a Carolina Sapphire. You got a picture of our, of our Christmas tree. That's our tree this year at our house. And it's a Carolina Sapphire. The reason I know that is because for the last 15 years, my dad and family have owned and operated a Christmas tree farm over in Jonesboro, Louisiana, which is technically closed now, but there are still trees. So he says every year, the day after Thanksgiving, whoever wants a tree, I'll sell them one, even though we're not in business anymore. So we went and got a tree. Actually, I did. I went and worked and cut down all the trees for people that came that day. But this is a Carolina Sapphire, and it's got that smell because we brought it into the house, and immediately our house smelled like this Christmas tree smell. It's like, oh, yeah. You don't have to buy a can for that. Just it's it's wonderful. Now, there's another tree out there called a Leland Cypress. Now, a Leland Cypress is got the darker green, and it looks kind of like real Christmassy looking with the dark green. It's like, do you want the dark green, or do you want the smell? And then for us, it was like, oh, we want that smell, the fragrance of, of Christmas. And our, our lives, the, the kind of our, for, because of our theme for today, we want our lives to be the fragrance of worship. Now, isn't worship about more than when and where you light a candle or what songs you sing or how you sing them. I love that Zach led us into that song. It was like, kind of like had to rework the, the set list this week because all of the band is out of town except Zach. And, and uh, he was like, just rework it. When he did, I don't know if he knew that this was like the heart of worship was the key, one of the keys here. The smell of your life is the heart of worship. It's not just about how what, you sing a song or what song you sing. Worship is about how we live our lives. What? What, how our lives express the hope of Christ that we have. That's what worship is. So we stopped at, at verse 7 when we read Luke chapter 2 today. But the story goes on. And the story goes on that there's these shepherds, that, that the angels appear to them announcing the birth of Jesus. And so the shepherds have to go see for themselves this amazing thing. They don't just take the angels' word for it. 
and there's this birth of a baby. And the birth of a baby is always an amazing thing. And the birth of Jesus changed everything. I mean, they had to go see this thing that has happened. And then in verse 20 of Luke 2 says that they experienced Jesus and they went back to their daily lives, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. Seen and heard. True worship is honoring God with our daily lives. That's what true worship is. And uh, we were, Jack, Zach and I this morning were talking. We're like, you know, we, we started thinking about all of the awakened church family that are, well, there's a, a majority that are college students. We have college students here. Wow, it's awesome. We thought all the college students left town. They, they hit the road. And, and we're like, okay, they'll be gone. And then we knew our drummer was gone because it's his dad's birthday and he lives out of town. And we knew that uh, another couple of folks were out of town because they went, they went back to where their family is for, for the weekend, getting ready for the holidays. So it's like, we started thinking about all the different people that make up the Awakening Church family. We're like, you know what? It might just be five of us this morning. <laughs> we got seven. So how about that? That's awesome. But it's like, we were thinking about worship and we were talking about it doesn't matter if this room is empty of people because we should be worshiping at, at home in our daily lives anyway. And for Zach, that means he's probably got his guitar and singing. But that's not all worship is. Worship is how you live, how you react, how you engage in life, and how, you, how much time you actually spend thanking God for that day and what's happening in that day. So true worship is honoring God with our daily lives. So in Matthew... Uh, in the Bible, there's another telling of the story uh, of Jesus, and actually, this is like after the birth, but a little bit. He's a, he's a he. In this first couple of years, it takes place where the Magi come in Matthew chapter two, verse eleven. They entered the house where the where the child Jesus was with his mother Mary, and they fell down before him and they worshipped him, and they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the Christ child receives these gifts of worship from the Magi. They were, you know, they, they were given freely. They were given without compulsion. They didn't have to do this. They just freely gave this. It was, this, this was a gift for them. They made the choice to surrender what was dearly important to them as an act of worship to this child, Jesus. And this child, Jesus, would change the world forever. Now, one of the gifts was frankincense. Remember that? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, frankincense, it's an incense that had been around at, at that time. It had been around at least 5,000 years up to then. And so it had been used in ancient worship rituals. They would light incense, uh, the, the frankincense specifically. And in the old, what we call the Old Testament of the Bible, it was a big part of the worship of God when the people came to the tabernacle. There's actually even a, a law about it in Leviticus chapter 2. Says when someone brings a, a grain offering to the Lord, his offering is to be a fine flour. He has to pour oil on it, put incense, that's the, the word is frankincense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priest. The priest shall take the handful of fine flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing the Lord. So the, the metaphor of this aroma pleasing the Lord is into our lives. Our lives should be like this frankincense, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. One of, one of the things about frankincense is it wasn't cheap. <laughs> it wasn't like everybody went and bought it all the time. It wasn't cheap because along with gold and myrrh, this would have made for a pretty expensive gift that they brought for Jesus. And it's expensive and it cost them something to give it to Jesus. That's what worship is. Sometimes it costs you something to give it to Jesus. Because the smell of hope is expressed by worship and it requires 
sacrifice. And that's the last kind of smell I want to talk about this morning is like the smell of sacrifice. And the smell of sacrifice, and I, I think of, 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 you know, burnt sacrifice, which is what we call if somebody burns food in their house, like if somebody burns the popcorn, oh, it smells like burnt sacrifice. That's just kind of a job. Picked up my dad, my dad's just, he just don't listen. My dad has said that when I was growing up. I said, because we don't burn a lot of stuff, actually, in our house. So that's why you don't hear it very often, Christian. But, uh, you know, so, you know it's, well, it's a burnt sacrifice. Last night, Christian burnt some toast. He likes it that way. I understand. You burnt the toast. Yeah, you didn't hear it. He burnt the toast. And I was like, you burnt the toast. And I was like, burnt sacrifice. And it's pretty good, though, if you take the burnt toast and you put butter on it. It tastes pretty decent. I'm not going to lie. But, but the, it's not even really correct, though, to say that because... Burnt food usually has an unpleasant odor. It stinks, right? Like a while ago, I talked about smells that I loved as a kid growing up. Those cookies cooking. Well, if the if the cookies start burning, that's a wrong. That's like, oh, that's not good. This is not good. This does not fill me with hope. No, it doesn't. And burnt sacrifice kind of that's like a kind of a wrong way to think of it because we think of the sacrifices to God in the Bible are described as a pleasant, pleasing aroma to God. Like there's the fragrance of, it's actually not burnt sacrifice, it's bacon frying, it's a burger on the grill, and God is going, thank you for your worship, it smells so good. So the most amazing aspect of the Christmas story to me is not that Jesus was born, but the reason why he was born. He's born to die. And the smell of sacrifice, it's the aroma of Jesus' life, his ministry, his, his death on the cross and the resurrection. It's, it's all of this. And not only that, but it's the fragrant worship of offering to God of his life. Ephesians 5.1 tells us to be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's like Just like Jesus, he gave himself up as a sacrifice, a fragrant sacrifice, an offering to God. Do the same. On that cross, Jesus carried the smell of all the sin of the world, the smell of sacrifice to God as he gave himself as a sin offering for us. And it was on that resurrection that his presence holds the the most pleasing aroma. I mean, the resurrection changes it all. Our hope is in the resurrection in the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus. That's where our hope lies. So we talk about the smell of hope, or, or the, this is the arrival of hope, and, and, and we're using hashtag hope arrives all through the Advent and Christmas season. What we're talking about is Jesus, sacrifice and resurrection. That's where we find our hope. He lived, he died, and he rose again as a fragrant offering to God. And in the same way, we're to live as a fragrant offering to God. When you step in the room, why do others know about your presence? I'm not talking about the physical smell, because we all know some of us smell better than others. That's just life. No judgment. But what others know about your attitude, your, your love, your presence? What does it bring into the room? Does your presence permeate their emotions with past experiences or current expectations of you? And I guess the really question is, how does your attitude, how does your spirit, how do you smell? If your life is a pleasing fragrance to the nostrils of God, others will notice it. So what is your life's aroma? Do you carry the fragrance of Jesus with you? Are you what kind of what kind of aroma does your presence bring to others? Is it peace? Is it mercy? Is it stability, safety? Is it hope? Or is it strife or conflict or anger or drama? Because if it's the latter, 
strife, anger, if your presence brings that, then, man, today make a step towards Jesus. And say, I want, I want my presence to be to bring life and hope and, and stability and mercy and peace to others. So what is your next step? I'd say, you know, for all of us, let's maybe take a little challenge this week, and we're heading into uh, this the week before Christmas, and we probably all still have Christmas shopping to do or naps to take, because, Lord, I need one. I know, you know, we got stuff that's got to be done. We have work to do uh, that's good for this next week. But we need to make your life a fragrant offering to God this week by doing something to bring joy to someone else. That's where the hope is. That's what the message of Jesus is for us. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means at Awaken Church for us is we do something to bring joy to someone else. Because what happens is when someone else's life is filled with joy and hope, you get it back. You get that back. A lot of times we get so focused on, I need some joy, I need some hope. And when you give it to somebody else, you receive it in return. So let's pray and ask God to help us make that our reality this week. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this day, for the Advent season, the, the experience of, of joy that comes with uh, the light of Christ. We were reminded that today in our Advent reading. We thank you for the hope that you bring, and when you arrive, hope comes with you. And Lord, we live in a world that needs hope. Some of us this morning in the room are, are, are watching the video or watching online right now. We need some hope, Lord. And Lord, we, we know that hope is in you. Sometimes you seem distant. You seem far away. But Lord, help us to understand you are not. That you're with us. And it's usually when you feel, or we feel the furthest from you, that you're actually the closest to us. So we ask that this week, Lord, you would help us to remove distractions and things that would take away our hope, take away our joy, and give us opportunities. Lord, to bring the fragrance of hope, the smell of hope to someone else, someone in our family, someone we work with, or maybe even a stranger, Lord. Maybe even today we'll go eat somewhere and we can just bring a little hope and joy to the life of the person that's working and serving. We just ask God, you would give us opportunities to share your hope with others. And that hope would fill all of us with the, the reason for our season, and that's you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.